Okie dokie. Wow, great. Thank you for that testimony. And uh, this is going to feel like a bit of a gear change now, so I'll just apologise for it and move on, uh, if you like. Uh, where's my phone gone? Is my, oh, there. Thank you. <coughs> because we're going to need to keep an eye on the time. Okay, so we're looking at a series. So this morning, really, my preach is not connected with baptism. Sometimes when we preach, we connect with the baptism uh, this time we decided actually we will carry on our encountering series because just to let you know, Christmas is coming. I mean, it is kind of around the corner. This is, this, this is the first uh, Sunday of December and we've been looking as a church at this series of encountering Jesus and so uh, I got the uh, Jesus' encounter with Mary. You know, I'm going right, uh, you know, uh, the early encounter. So um, uh, I'm going to read... Uh, for you, very well-known passage, Luke 1, 26 to 49. It'll come up behind us, uh, I think. Very well-known passage, uh, and then we'll speak about it. So Luke 1, 26 to 49. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Uh, yeah, me too. Uh, but the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, you found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to, to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she explained, exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfil his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Father, we pray that you would open up our ears, that you would open up our hearts, and you would teach us what you want to say to us this morning from this very well-known passage of Scripture. We pray, Holy Spirit, you would draw out those things that you particularly want to put on our hearts in this moment. So we thank you for Alex, for his testimony. Lord, we thank you for the joy of baptizing him in a moment, Lord. And in this moment, we pray 
Would you meet with us and would you teach us in Jesus' name? Amen. Okay, well, uh, I've preached on this passage a number of times, always focusing really on Jesus uh, and some of the history normally as to what was said. But this morning, I'm going to focus on Mary. I don't think I've ever focused on Mary before. And to be honest, if you say to me, Mary, Jesus' mother, two pictures come into my mind straight away. And both of them are wrong. But I want to talk to you about that this morning. The first one comes from that picture of, from nativity plays. The ones that I've been in, the ones that I've seen my children be in, and I've got three children, I've seen a lot of nativity plays. The ones that I've watched on, you know, TV. Uh, and so that picture is of a cute little girl uh, standing there in a white dress with a tea towel on her head, holding, you know, baby Jesus, grinning for all she's worth. Uh, that is one of those pictures that kind of comes to mind. You can probably imagine what I mean. The second maybe comes from more of a Catholic-inspired, if you like, images. Maybe I've been in galleries. Maybe I've been in some Catholic churches. And I've seen paintings where Mary seems to be almost God herself. She almost seems to be otherly in some way. Yes, she's kindness and love personified, but in a way that kind of makes her more divine than human. Do you, do you know what I mean? That kind of picture, I can't, even do the, I can't even do the face. But there seems to be a face that is pictured, and uh, that's what I think. So when someone says Mary, the mother of Jesus, I think little girl with a tea towel on her head, or kind of this picture of somebody that, I, is that a real person? Um, uh, that, I just, both those images are wrong. If we want to understand who Mary was and what she was like, I think we have to look at the Bible and see what the Bible tells us about her because the Bible is what God says. And what God says about Mary is important, in a sense, uh, not from anywhere else. So let's have a look at, firstly, a few things. We're going to look at how Mary reacts to this news. We're going to look at her character. And then we're going to look, in a sense, at, at why, in a sense, she was uh, so special or not so special. So the first one, Mary's reaction to the big news. You see, how people react under pressure, either, either positive or especially negative, tells you a lot about their character. Because under those kind of circumstances, those pressured moments in our lives, what is really inside of us comes out. What's really inside of our hearts and our minds comes out, often in our mouths, and then closely followed by our actions. Because in high-pressure, stressful moments, the masks go, the guard gets let down, the pretense goes, the uh, image that we want to project of ourselves to other people becomes secondary, and what comes out is what we're really like, what we really believe. So how does Mary react to this news that she's going to get pregnant by God and give birth to his son. And we, we, we're so familiar with it, we can miss it. An angel comes, you're going to give birth, God's going to be the dad and he's going, to be, he's going to be God's son. I mean, this is the news that she's given. And, and Mary has difficulty understanding it. She asks, how will this be? She knows she can't conceive a child because she's a virgin. And the answer that is given to her by the angel doesn't exactly help, I think, a human brain get a head around it. Basically, God's creative overshadowing power is going to come on you. Oh, thanks for that. 
I, I get it now. If I had any questions, I can park them. Fantastic. What we see right at the beginning is Mary's faith is being tested here. Will she believe that God has the capacity to create life within her? And I think God actually helps her in this moment of decision. Because I think we're so familiar with the story, we actually got to remember, this was happening to Mary at a moment in time. She's going about her normal business and suddenly there's an angel there. I think we've got to remember this is how it is. And the angel reminds her, that she has an elderly relative called Elizabeth, who everyone said was too old to bear a child, but there's a child in Elizabeth. And it's like, you know, the angel is helping her and uh, says, for no word of God will ever fail. Basically, look, nothing's impossible, Mary. Think about your, your relative Elizabeth, who everyone said was too old to have a baby. But you know, she's having a baby. Everything with God is possible. I, I don't know about you, but I think if I'm honest, it's really hard to kind of imagine what this announcement required of Mary. For her to be able to receive it by faith and not reject it out of unbelief or fear or just plain, ah, get me out of here. Are you with me? I mean, for her to actually receive it with faith, I think it's so hard for us to get our minds around. Can God, what's going through her mind? Can God really create a baby in my womb? And can that baby really be God's son? So the fact that she receives it with faith is a testimony to her character and her faith in God. God has said things to me that are a lot less challenging in terms of a stretch of faith that I have rejected or not obeyed out of unbelief. Really, lots of things God has said to me is nowhere near like this to Mary. So let's just focus on what this passage teaches us about Mary's character and faith in God. I'll run through them. There are seven or eight of them I've picked out for you. Number one, she was sexually pure. She was a virgin. She was pledged to be married, but she hadn't slept with a man or her intended. Second one it tells us about her character was that she was thoughtful. It says in verse 29, she was troubled by his words. I bet she was. And wondered what kind of greeting. She's wondering what kind of greeting this might be. It says in Luke 2.19, Mary treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. She's thoughtful, actually, in, you know, thoughtful in terms of thinking things through. I think most of us would just be freaked out and out of the door. She's, she's going to think them through. She's clearly obedient. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. If you say it, then let it be fulfilled in my life. She's She's obedient here. She was believing. Did you see how in verse 45, Elizabeth says to her, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. She's believed what's been said. This is not, well, well, okay, if you say so, we'll see. No, no, she has believed that it will happen because God has said that it will happen. She's worshipful. Verse 46 and 7, Mary says, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. She's, she's worshipping him. She's humble. There's no sense in Mary that she's kind of bigging herself up, that what God's called her to, etc. She is humble. She's one of the few people that can, she says, for he has been, 
She has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. She, she understands who she is in relation to God. She's genuinely humble. She can even say that. And I would say that she was content or she understood her small part in God's big plan. She kind of gets it. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done things for me. Holy is his name. She kind of understands that she has got a part now to play in God's plan. So when you look at Mary, what you see is an exemplary character. One commentator described her as a model believer who simply takes God at his word. And this level of maturity and devotion is displayed by someone who Christian academics believe was around 15 or 16 years of age. Mary isn't even a wise old lady. She's not even a wise middle-aged lady. She's not even a wise lady in her 20s. If she was alive today and lived here, she'd be going to this school, but not as a teacher. She'd be one of the pupils. She's, a, she's living in a world which uh, prizes males above females, and she's a female. She's living in a world and a time that reveres age and the wisdom that comes from it, and she's barely out of childhood. Mary is a nobody from a nowhere town. Her parents are nobodies. They have no status in their society. They're not governors or kings or princes, nothing like that. And even the place where she comes from is a nowhere place. It's not like London is to England or Edinburgh to Scotland. It's not a capital city. She's a nobody who comes from the back end of nowhere. We've got to understand this because it makes her faith all the more incredible. I think. If it's just me, that's fine. But I think we're supposed to see this. And wow, she's not, da- she's not born as a king's daughter, a princess in a palace expecting to rule. She's a nobody from nowhere. And an angel turns up. You're going to have God's son. Okay, if that's what you say. That's what it's like. Seems to me God hasn't prepared her in any way for the appearance of this angel. There doesn't seem to have been any preparatory ground done. And the angel comes and he gives her this massive, great, big surprise. God's son's going to be born in the world and he's going to be born through you. And Mary has a remarkable character and faith in God, which is shown by her response. If my character was half as good as Mary's, I would be twice the man of God that I am. I'll say that again. If my character and faith in God was half as good as Mary's, then I'd be twice the man of God that I am. I think she had a remarkable character. So spiritually speaking, it is not right for me to think about Mary as a little girl with a tea towel on her head. I think she is a spiritual giant and a hero of the faith. And going back to what I said at the start, that's why that one is wrong. But let me, having said all that, let me now explain to you why the other one is wrong as well. Are you still with me? All right. God's choosing of Mary was an act of grace, not reward. Having said all that, God's choosing of Mary was an act of grace, not reward. You see, despite all these qualities, God's choice of Mary to bear this child springs from God's grace, not any goodness or merit in and of her. 
She was the object of God's unmerited, unearned goodness and grace. Her description as, as one who has found favor with God makes it clear that God has acted on her behalf, not because of her character, not because of her actions. She's not being rewarded by God. She has found favor with God. Truth is, Mary is completely perplexed by this sudden announcement. She didn't seek this part uh, in God's plan. God just steps into her life and brings her into this service. Of course, her character, her faithfulness is a real asset, but God didn't choose to favor her because she had such a character. So she should be honored for her model of faithfulness and openness to serve God, but that does not mean that Mary should be worshipped. Luke wants us to identify with Mary as an example, but not to exhort her and therefore in any way to worship her. See, Mary is not chosen because she deserves favor. She is favored because she has been chosen. Let me say that again. Mary is not chosen because she deserves favor. She's favored because she has been chosen. We tend to think the opposite because that's how we think and we therefore think that's how God operates. We can tend to think that God chose her because she had such a great faith and character and that now she has been chosen uh, because of her great character, she is now going to be favored and given these amazing things to do. But that's not what it says. That's not what the Bible says. That's not the way that God operates. God chose Mary because God chose Mary. Because God chose Mary. God chose Alex because God chose Alex. Because God chose Alex. God calls her favored because he has chosen her. Her character was not the deciding factor in his choosing. Otherwise, she would be able to say, the reason why God chose me was because I'd been so good, and therefore salvation would primarily be about her goodness and not God's choosing, and not God's grace. She is favored simply because the God of creation has chosen her to be included in his family, to be included in his plans of salvation. She's his, she's family, she's loved, she's included, she has a part to play. Wow, she is favored because she is chosen. It just so happens that the part she has to play is to be Jesus' mum. But I honestly don't think it would have mattered to Mary what she would have done. The key thing was that she was chosen. The task, in essence, was secondary. She wasn't favored because she got chosen for a big part in God's big story. She was favored because she got chosen. She just happened to get a relatively big part, if you like. Do you understand that? Okay. But before we get too enamored with Mary's part, you know, just when you look at Mary, her life wasn't one of ease. For Mary, God's favor did not bring prosperity, comfort, or success like the world would define them. Instead, she conceives and bears a child in a place and a culture and a time where if you had a child and you weren't married, that was shameful. That's what she had to bear. She had to flee Egypt to escape from Herod's murderous plan. I don't think being a refugee was in Mary's mind when she pondered 
what being the mother of God's one and only son would be like. She had to see and watch her son die on the cross, whipped and beaten and mocked and stripped and hung on a piece of wood to die. I don't think that would have been in her mind when she said, I'm the Lord's servant. Be it to me as you've said. So in summary, she was favoured because she was chosen by God. That was an act of his unearned, unmerited grace. She was not chosen because of her character. She was not chosen because of the role that she was going to play. Those things are true and they're wonderful, but they're secondary to the most wonderful news that she is favoured because she is chosen simply because God chose to lavish his grace and his love on her. <coughs> if you're a Christian here this morning, then like Mary, you are favoured just because you are chosen. Alex is favoured because he's been chosen. God has chosen to break into his life. And Alex responded. But God was the one who initiated and spoke to him, spoke to Alec in the same way he spoke to me, in the same way he spoke to Mary. You and I, if you're a Christian here, didn't get chosen because of anything moral or noble or impressive that we did before we got saved or anything moral, noble, impressive for God that we're going to do after we get saved. We got chosen because the sovereign God in his sovereignty chose us and simply because of that, if you are a Christian, you are favoured. Therefore, we have the favour of God, not based on our character, not actually based on our level of obedience. We have the favour of God because he has chosen us and he has chosen to love us and in his grace he has chosen to save us. And now because of that, we are free to, to, to let him work on our character as we walk with him day by day in relationship. That's the way it's supposed to be. So in Ephesians 2, it says this, talking about the incomparable riches of his grace, God's grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Mary was saved by grace. She cannot boast. She is God's handiwork. She was saved and created by God to do the good things that he prepared for her in advance. Alec is exactly the same. I am exactly the same. If you are a Christian here this morning, you are exactly the same. And I know that in many ways, we sometimes can be very acutely aware of the ordinariness of our lives. Sometimes even things that we do for God seems quite ordinary. This morning, for us to meet here, people have done lots of ordinary things. They put out chairs, they set up a PA system, some people are going to welcome at the door, they made tea and coffee, some are going to help with the children's work. They can be very ordinary things. This month, there'll be ordinary things going on in terms of... Uh, you know, some people are going to go and read to, 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 to kids in school. Uh, some are going to serve on a team here or there. Next January, we might be able to help some people who are homeless uh, not sleep 
you know, on the street for a night. So even some of these things that are good things can seem, if we put a few pounds in the offering, in a sense they can seem quite ordinary. But you know, the reality is that each of our lives and every task we perform for God fits into God's plan perfectly in ways that we don't know. Who knew that the fire alarm that morning God would use to speak to Alec? See, we just don't know, but God knows. So I think one thing I learned from Mary is that what matters less is that we execute our tasks with expertise, but more we approach them with a sense of devotion. I mean, just think about it. How could Mary try and be expert enough to be the mum of the Son of God? How many NTC classes would you have to go to before you felt, yeah, God, fine, I've got this one. Brilliant, bring him on. No, you're watching. Imagine, how could, you up, how could Mary possibly have any chance to, to be expertise enough to be the mum of God's son? See, I think God desires more than the skill of our hands, the love of our hearts. That we would approach the things that he calls us to with devotion. And worship. I think that's what Mary, that's how she responded to this massive, overwhelming, it's impossible humanly thing that God's going to tell her to do. Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Your word, I'm trusting in you. I'm going to do it with devotion. So Mary is not to be worshipped. That second picture of, is in my head. She's not to be worshipped as if she were divine. But I do believe that we can join with her in worshipping the one she carried, the one she gave birth to, the one that she raised, the one who chose her and chose me and chose Alex and chose you if you're a Christian here. I think we don't want to make Mary a deity. We do not worship her, but we join with her in worshipping Jesus. That's what we do. We can learn from her. We can follow her example But always, always remembering that everything we do comes from a place of having been favored because we're chosen. We're not trying to gain favor with God. We're not trying to to live and justify our salvation. We're We're not trying that. That will not work. That didn't get us saved in the first place. Why would it be any good for the life that we now live? Rather, we are free now to live our lives with a relationship, in a relationship with God, asking him to lead us, him to help us, him to give us strength. Why would we imagine that somehow we could get saved that way, and yet then we're going to go on the rest of our lives not in exactly the same way? Surely we need him. And everything and anything that we are asked to do by him is a privilege. It's an honor. And therefore, we can say, like Mary, may it be to us as you have said. As a church, we can say that. God, we're not trying to make this up, work out our own plan. We want to listen to you for our lives individually, our lives corporately. And whatever you have called us to do, that's what we're going to put our hearts into. For Mary, for Mary, it was getting pregnant by God without sleeping with a bloke and giving birth to the Son of Man. When you put whatever God calls us to in relation to that, 
I feel like I got the better deal, if you like. Do you know what I'm saying? I think there's a stretch of faith that she has to have that we should go, wow. But actually, we should go, wow. Oh, Jesus, help us. Oh, Jesus, will you help us? If you're not a Christian here this morning, my encouragement to you is to give your life to Jesus. The Bible says that if you seek him, then you will be found by him. If you seek him, if you open your life to him, if you open your heart to him, if you say to him, Jesus, I want to follow you, he will come and find you. He will come and speak to you. Whatever you've done in the past, no matter how bad or good you may think, they are worthless. They, the bad stuff doesn't stop you coming from Jesus. The good stuff does not bring you to Jesus. Okay, that's the gospel. Men and women do good things and bad things. Neither of them get them condemned or saved. You are where you are. Come to Jesus as you are, and he will begin to speak to you. I think I'll pray, and we'll head over to the meridian. Lord Jesus, for those of us who are Christians, Lord, we want to thank you this morning that we are, we are saved, that we are favored by you, that we have been chosen. Lord, we want to thank you. We want to thank you today. We want to thank you tomorrow. We want to thank you on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. We want to thank you every day, Lord. We hear Alex's testimony, and it reminds us that you broke into our lives and you saved us. And, and we want to live, Lord, grateful for that every day. Because we know that when we stand before you, that's really what's going to matter. So we thank you, Lord. We pray, Lord, with all the things that go on at Christmas and all the good things, Lord, we want to remember that Christmas is primarily is about you. It's about you, Lord Jesus, coming so that you could save men and women like us. Lord, and for those, anybody here who's not a Christian, who doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that they would seek you. And I pray, Lord, that when they do, you will be true to your word and you will find them. You will speak to them. Lord, I pray that you might give them dreams. Lord, you might take them to read your word. Lord, you might... You might get them in a conversation with someone who knows you to explain more. Lord Jesus, but we want to we wanna pray, Lord. I want to pray right now for anybody who wants to seek after you. I pray by your Holy Spirit, Lord, would you speak to them right now? Would you speak to them right now, Lord? Would you come and save them? Thank you, Lord, that you save people every day right around the world. Father, we do ask now as we go to baptize Alec. Lord, we pray that you would fill him with your Holy Spirit. Lord, he, he, he said that. Lord, he desires that. Your word says it. And so, Lord, we pray that as we have the joy of baptizing him, Lord, you will fill him with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.